1: The Bucs take on the Atlanta Falcons and Jameis Winston returns. Can he keep up with the rest of the high-flying NFL offenses? And Mike Smith says the sky is not falling. We'll hear from the Bucks' defensive coordinator. Jason Pierre-Paul is feeling limitless and is once again among the NFL leaders in sacks and on pace to match his best year as a pro. How has he learned to adapt to playing the position one-handed after losing several fingers in that fireworks accident back in July 4th? Of 2015. My conversation with JPP in just a few minutes. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, I want to tell you about a special offer at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Andy wants you to have the best time ever when shopping at Continental. So, for our listeners only, Andy is offering a limited time, 20% off all jewelry prices. That's right. So whether you seek a statement piece like a gorgeous diamond necklace or maybe you're on the quest to find that perfect diamond engagement ring, Andy is going to give you his undivided attention. And whether you you know you come in there, he's going to take care of you. He's going to tell you about the four C's of diamonds. And this is what you want to do. You want to go to Continental Wholesale Diamonds today. Go today, and you get to score big with 20% off all your jewelry purchases, they have the best prices to begin with, so you're getting even a better savings because you listen to this podcast. It's where I shop. It's a Continental Wholesale Diamonds. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, so important game, obviously, for the Bucks coming off their bye week as they head to the Atlanta Falcons to play up there in the uh, Georgia. Well, it's not the Georgia Dome. It's now the Mercedes. They have a new stadium, of course. They played last year there, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's gorgeous by the way, and the, the Falcons are reeling. I mean, they're 1-4. You talk about a desperate football team. This could be their season right here if they have any chance of getting back into uh, you know the, the NFC South race, certainly with New Orleans and Carolina, both with just one loss. So, um, I you know, this is such a big game, Steve, in terms of not just the Bucks having lost two in a row and they're coming off the bye week. And you know, I will say this, they're as healthy as they have been since the start of the season. I mean, it looks like they're going to get Bo Allen back O.J. Howard, who was supposed to miss one or two weeks with a knee sprain, was practicing. Um, you know, it, it, it just seems like, uh, you know, their corners. Um, and, and Jordan Whitehead, their safety, the young safety that missed the Chicago game, he's back. So from a health standpoint, they look very, very good. Of course, all eyes are going to be on one player. I mean, th- this game, and, and that is usually the case in the NFL, but more so, I think, in this game than anyone that Jameis Winston has played to date in his career is how well can he play with Todd Munkin in this offense, the way, the way it was juiced up the first three weeks of the season, and can he keep pace with the rest of the NFL? I mean, you know, it, it, is, it has become a game with 70%-plus passers now. Um, it's almost like a seven-on-seven seven drill. And the one thing we know, Steve, is that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, who destroys the Bucks in that, in that building, um, also has Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu, those guys are going to put up some
2: points. So I see this game
1: as being a complete slugfest.
2: Well, the good news for Jameis Winston and the Bucks is that the Atlanta Falcons have the second worst scoring defense in the NFL.
1: <laughs> it's true. That's right.
2: Uh, so, so nothing has to give. Yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> they're giving saying. up over thirty-two points a game as well. So yeah, um, which is why they're one and four. They're actually scoring some points, but they are. Uh, yeah. They're one and four because they can't stop anybody, particularly in the fourth quarter. Um, so that that's some good news for Jameis Winston who you know as we've talked about all week we're going to learn a lot about him starting in this game and moving forward as far as Mm -hmm. the progress he's made in the offseason but not only that how the rust from sitting out three four games really if you count the the preseason game four that he sat out and then only played a half in garbage time in game you know two weeks ago and then a bye week so it's going to be really interesting but I mean you talked about all the Falcons' we- weapons. The Bucks have just as many weapons on offense. So, yes, I agree. It's going to be a slugfest. Neither one of these defenses can seem to stop anybody.
1: No, they don't. And, you know, I, I think if there's, a- if there's a silver lining for, for Tampa Bay, it- it's that, you know, look, they gave up 40 at New Orleans, which we know the New Orleans Falcons, uh, or New Orleans Falcons, New Orleans Saints can do that to anybody. They just did mm-hmm. it uh, on Monday night to the Washington Redskins, right? I mean, they're prolific in that building especially. But they won the game. They outscored them, 48-40. Okay, I don't think you're going to – it's a franchise record, so you can't count on that in Atlanta. Um, you know, but they did they did do a good job against the Eagles who are struggling themselves, uh, and, and they managed to win that game. They did a decent job for one half, the second half against Pittsburgh, and I think turnovers were the big story in that game. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick had three interceptions on three plays in the first half, and they got behind. 30 to 10 but they damn near won the game. Um and that's because they, you know, the defense helped shut them out the second. So there's been there's been glimmers of hope, but it's almost been, you know, like it, you know, in Chicago, I think that's the one that that shell shocks everybody. And and rightfully so. I mean, you know, you had guys just running Scot free and when you put things like that on tape, you've given the answers to the test to all the other teams. You basically said, "Hey, when you do this, we don't know what we're doing." We, we we struggle with this, and you that's why you never want to have that kind of tape, you know, that's out there. And so, um, you know, part of it I think is the fact that you know they they were playing with a, a, a very young secondary, and you're going to get these games where guys don't play well, and even the guys that were playing are are injured. Um, you know, you know I think that Carlton Davis, um, you know, who had to leave the game, he was hurt. Um, obviously Brent Grimes looked disinterested, they took him out of the game altogether and put in Ryan Smith in the second half. Jordan Whitehead couldn't play, so you were down to Isaiah Johnson, who's their third safety, who really hasn't played a lot of football in the NFL. So all these things kind of conspired with a really hot you know, Chicago offense um, that took full advantage, and Mitch Trubisky scared nobody until that Sunday. But he threw six touchdown passes, and some of them were just great plays, and Again, some of them were just plays they just turned guys loose. But I do believe that, you know, football is, you know, it's a week to week business. And if you put too much stock in the fact that, you know, that they gave up so many points against Chicago and, and even going back further than that and say they can never play defense again, I think it would be you'd be short-sighted. I mean, I really do think that with the benefit of a bye week, with a chance to to look at what they're asking these guys to do with getting some guys healthy they got to have a better performance than what they showed in Chicago. But but, but you're absolutely right about Jameis because, you know, we won't really know what that three-game suspension cost him because you couldn't really find out in the second half of that Chicago game. Look, the Bears were going to play soft. They were going to play off receivers. They were going to keep the ball from going over their heads. They're up by five touchdowns. But he completed a lot of balls, and he's been completing a lot of balls even in the preseason. So I think that's been an emphasis and something that Jameis has done better. But look, um, he's going to have to play clean. I mean, he's going to have to be a guy that that does not turn the ball over, Um, obviously hopefully keeps the ball away from the Atlanta Falcons in that high-powered offense. It's just there's a lot of pressure. And when you think about the spotlight that's on him, He's always been good to compartmentalize things, Steve. He's always been a guy that rises to the occasion. You, know, you, you look back at Florida State and all that he went through with his off-field problems, guy wins a national championship. So, I mean, I think, I think he, he's going to he's gonna be able to do this. I don't know how sharp he can be with one week of practice because they had a bye week, and that did not help Jameis Winston, who had too much time off as it was.
2: Well, yeah, I, no, I think, the, you know, look, there's a couple things, and we can look at the bright side here of things, too. I mean, we talked about the defense, and then we talked about Jameis. As far as the defense goes, they've, they've given up a lot of points, yes, but they've faced the number one scoring offense in the NFL, the number five scoring offense, and the number seven scoring offense in the NFL. Wow, good points, yeah. So, I mean, New Orleans is number one, Pittsburgh's five, Chicago's seventh. On the Jameis side of things, you're the sixth highest scoring offense in the NFL, and you don't have your best quarterback playing for you. <laughs> You're, I mean, you know. Well, let's, let's be some honest. Some people let's would argue that. They're up, they're, well, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not saying that Jameis can be as hot as Ryan Fitzpatrick was games yeah. one and two. You're not. I mean, Ryan He's Fitzpatrick is not going to be player of the role. week in two two straight weeks. But we both agree, Jameis Winston's a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick, or at least more talent than Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point. Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. has more experience. Maybe That's right. maybe has a better grasp of certain things. In, in, right. in an offense and reading defenses but as far as talent goes you're upgrading the talent at quarterback now and yeah. they're the sixth highest scoring offense and that was after scoring 10 points in the last game they're still at the sixth highest scoring offense this season so right
1: and they're, they're the number one passing offense in terms of yard i mean they're, mm-hmm. they're you know they're throwing for like 360 something a game and i mean you know so he's got the weapons you know this is the thing now you know A lot of that, though, was Deshaun Jackson, you know, who was off to an amazingly hot start with all the explosives and the touchdowns and, um, you know, and I know Deshaun. And I know that Deshaun is probably very nervous about this transition because Ryan Fitzpatrick got the ball out on time. It was easy to track. The ball was in the air before he made his breaks. um, And he was able to run down a few over the top. And he's not been able to do that with any consistency with Jameis. But Jameis, you know, had a really good preseason. It was, seems like a light years ago, he actually outplayed Fitzpatrick. So I think I think he can do – look, he plays the, the position different than Fitzpatrick does, but he can certainly make all the throws. Um, he just got to be, you know, on point when it comes to those opportunities. When, when Todd Munkin is dialing up those shot plays and those guys make double moves and they get open, Jameis has to put the ball in places where they can make a catch. You know, he can't overthrow him by 10 yards. He can't – underthrow them and have it intercepted like he did in Minnesota a year ago, he has to give them a chance to make the catch. And that's going to be the biggest thing is if he can keep up because I think this Atlanta Falcons offense is as good as it's been. Now, they're going to get a little bit of a break maybe because what's what's hurting the Falcons a little is that they haven't had Devonta Freeman um, and, and he's struggled to be in practice this week as well. So we'll see if the running game is what it what it should be or what it has been. But, hell, every team in the NFL right now is pretty much saying, you know, we're running just to give our receivers a, ch- a chance to catch their breath. I mean, teams are throwing at an unbelievable rate. I think it's over 60-40 uh, pass to run instead of, you know, the proverbial 50-50 balance that everybody says they're looking for.
2: Well, now that they've so, changed the rules in the NFL, for one, they've defined what a catch is better, and actually there's more catches true. because of that. The pass interference and defensive holding and all that those rules and everything else is, is – it's beneficial to throw the ball more. You're going to Absolutely. you're going to put up a lot more points and yards if you throw the ball more. You no longer Absolutely. you no longer the run is just to keep everybody honest and to give everybody a breather.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and and I mean the way the Bucks run, it seems like an afterthought because their offensive line hasn't done a whole lot. They haven't increased anybody, and you know we'll see Ronald Jones. I think he'll be better, um, you know, in his second game than he was in his first uh, you know there's he had not played in a month in any kind of game as in you know regular season speed is certainly different than um you know than preseason so i, I think that uh, that that's where you see your biggest improvement with young players from the first to the second game there's a lot of things that you know that the bucks have in their favor not the least of which is um you know the health of their team and again you can't replace, you know, Vernon Hargraves and Chris Conte as beleaguered as some people think that he is. He still has all that experience, and that's what they're struggling from. Look, you know, on the defense for a minute. We spent a lot of time talking to Mike Smith, who is, is beleaguered uh, an assistant as that has been here. I think maybe since Jim Bates and Jeff Jagodzinski, maybe both those guys were fired in Raheem Morris's first year. Um, Jakoszanski never coached a game in the regular season. He was fired 10 days before the season opener. But that aside, Mike Smith, his resume with the Bucks is not good to say the very least. I mean, in his first year, um, you know, he had the number one defense in terms of third down percentage, um, the lowest in the league. They had a ton of turnovers and they managed to do just enough with the offense to win nine games. And so that earned him, you know, he was interviewing for head coaching jobs in San Diego and other places and the Bucks. Locked him up. It was their biggest off-season acquisition, and they locked him up for like three years at a huge salary. Um, since then, though, just hasn't been good. I mean, you're not, worse than not good. It's been awful. I mean, they were last in the league last year in total defense in terms of yards. Um, one of the worst scoring defenses as well. Last in sacks with just 22. So they rebuilt the entire defensive line, even though they've had injuries. Um, and I think. Again, you know, the, the lack of a consistent pass rush, not playing well on the back end, young guys, you can't give them an experience. But Mike Smith has been through these wars before. And we had a chance to talk to Mike Smith about whether things look as bleak to him as they do to everybody outside of one buck place.
3: You know, the sky is not falling. I know, I'm, I can assure you, it felt like it was friggin' crumbling uh, on top of us when we uh, walked off that field in Chicago. But that's an anomaly. That's one one And as a defense, we are committed together to write that ship and not play defensive football like we played there. I've got tracks on my back through the years, <laughs> okay? Uh, that's, you know, that's part of it. You're in this business. A, it's a week-to-week business. You know, And the great thing is, is that you get an opportunity to uh, go out and do it again. Uh, you know it doesn't hurt my feelings that anybody has their own opinion that's the way this world is uh, you know those that's what makes it go uh, go around and uh, you just go out and you do your job you try to hey you try to be focused on the task the task at hand is real simple in the NFL it's to have one more point than the other team and uh, you know we've been able to do that. of the time in the first quarter of the season and I just want to say there's a lot of football still to be played We're gonna go out and do everything that we can to improve what we did in the first quarter of the season Especially on the defensive side of the football The biggest thing is that is every time we go out and play we're playing to win and that dynamic is different in every game And I think it was obvious in the first three games uh, Not so much in the in the fourth game Uh, we absolutely stunk from me down in the uh, in in the fourth game, but we did some things in the uh, first three games that uh, you can look forward and say, "Gosh darn, those guys—they hey, they got a chance to, to do some things well." Um, but you know, overall, we didn't. You know, we haven't done what we need to get done. Uh, I think there's some young guys that have shown spurts. Of being good players, I think there's been times that they've shown their youth. Uh, I think there's times that we've shown that we're able to put pressure on the quarterback, uh, and then there's other times it's not. We've been an inconsistent uh, group, and really, that's uh, frustrating as a coach because you don't like to put uh, inconsistencies out on the field. We've got to, you know, we've got to get a lot better in our pass defense. Uh, that's a, a group that's going through a learning curve. Some days it's very uh, impressive. Other days it's head-scratching in terms of what we're, what we're go- going through. But that's a group that I like, we like as a, as a group. We've got to get them to play better and play more consistency.
1: If there's one thing uh, Mike Smith can hang his hat on, I think it's the fact that uh, there is one player that's playing better than anybody on defense, and he's new, and it's Jason Pierre-Paul. And, look, I I mean, I thought it was a good acquisition when they got this guy from the New York Giants. And, you know, he's obviously been a proven uh, player in this league, an established pass rusher. And yet, you know, he's 29 years old. And so you really didn't know how he would react to, number one, not being with the Giants. I mean, that's a shock to a player who spent his whole career there, um, eight seasons. You know, the other thing is (laughs) when he got here (laughs) – much to the chagrin of Dirk Cutter, he pretty much announced to them that, hey, I'll see you guys uh, in training camp. <laughs> there, was, there was no hint that he was going to go to OTAs, which is usually a, a warning, is usually a bad sign because guys that come to new teams and don't want to participate in learning a new defense, eh, you're typically not going to get a whole lot out of them. In fact, I talked to Dirk Cutter and he said, yeah, count me as one of those guys that was pretty skeptical about that whole plan.
3: Yeah, I think that goes back rick to like he he told me in the off season when he didn't come to otas he said i know what i'm doing uh, i'll be fine i'll learn it basically don't worry about it and i, and I gotta admit i kind of thought eh, yeah wait just wait i've heard that i've heard that before but he's he's done it and uh you know a guy that guy that backs up what he says i, I have a lot of respect for, for that and he has played very consistently not only in practice but in the games and as i've said before i've been i've been impressed with him as a as a vocal leader and a leader that sets the example by by how he works so can't say enough good things
1: jpp is what i like about him is the fact that you know since he had this accident and it was a horrific accident back in july 4th of 2015 in fact his first game that season was against the bucks he actually played the last 5 games of the year that year and he played he played pretty well um but it it was just a it, it was horrific i mean the man lost a couple fingers part of his thumb um soft tissue injuries everywhere something that none of us would ever want to have to experience in that fireworks accident and and you know for a defensive lineman i mean a guy where technique and and being able to use your hands and to grab and throw guys you know and to pull pull blockers off of you um your hands are everything i mean you you know you play with your hands and um, you know, he has had to learn how to do the most basic things from tying his shoes to uh, to, uh, to defensive line play all over again. And what's stunning to me is that when you watch this guy go about his business, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. I mean, it's undetectable, and yet he has had to compensate um, for not having the use of those fingers. And, um, you know, so to, to watch him go out and have – you know, four sacks in four games. I mean, he's on pace to have his best year of his career uh, or match it. You know, he had 16 and a half sacks in 2011. Now, I don't know if he can keep this up one sack a game, but that's where he's at. And remember now, the Bucks haven't had a guy even reach double digits since 2005, and that was Simeon Rice, who's like 40 years old now. So it's been that long. But Pierre Paul, um, you know, for all the, the guys who have been in and out, and I, I think you know McCoy has played pretty well for the most part. We know you know what you're gonna get from Gerald, and he's double teamed and all of that. But what you love about Pierre Paul is doesn't want to come off the field. And Steve, he's as good a run player as he is a pass rusher. I mean, this guy sets the edge and with that long reach. He gets guys on the ground. He's fourth
2: in the team in tackles right now, which is rare for a defensive lineman. Well, he even talked about, you know, yesterday uh, on on uh, Wednesday at practice about how. Well, that's all starting by
4: playing the run, man, and you know, locking down, you know, the run game and making them convert into a pass. That's what in the team. You, know, you can't you can't get sacks unless you start to run.
0: Hold up.
2: He puts an emphasis on stopping the run as well. He's not just, hey, I'm just going after the passer. That's all I do. That's not what he does, and that's what makes him such a good player.
1: Yeah, no, he's a complete defensive end, and he's a complete pro's pro. You know, they haven't had that guy at that position for some time. They've tried it many, many times with different players um, and and free agents. It just hasn't come around. It just hasn't worked. So maybe for the first time since Michael Bennett, who was still very young in his career, um, you know, the Bucks have a, a, a legit threat at defensive end. Now, he can't, he can't do it, you know, obviously he can't do it all by himself. Um, but it has been really fun to watch him uh, play. And the other thing about him is, you know, in that game, you know, this is what you really look for because in a game where you're just getting shellacked, right, you want to see who's playing. Well, we know they didn't think much of Brent Grimes's play. They pulled him out of the first half. But JPP, and I didn't see this until I watched the broadcast replay of this game, um, he was the guy that was in everybody's faces on the bench during that, during that embarrassing first half. Mm-hmm. You know, he got the, the defense together. And for a player on a new team, I'm just telling you, that is rare to be a quarter of the way through the season. But he has so much, he commands so much respect because of what he's accomplished in his career, two-time Super Bowl champion, uh, all of that. And, 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 and what he's gone through with his accident also has given him uh, quite a bit of, of equity. Um, he's not a man of a lot of words, but when he talks, it's very impassioned. And you could see how passionate he was uh, about that performance that they, were, they put on the field. And he and you look up at the end of the game, and everybody else did bupkis. You know, I mean, you know, the Mike linebacker, Quan Alexander, had two tackles in the entire game. JPP ends up with seven tackles. I think six of them were unassisted. He has um, the sack, the only sack of the game that they had of Trubisky. He also had two tackles for loss and a quarterback hit. So he filled every box, you know. And for for a team that's getting beat up like that, and he's playing 70 snaps or 60-something snaps or whatever it was, you got good effort from him. And that's the thing that you have to love about a free agent, or not a free agent, but a guy that's traded here and sort of sets the tone for your defense and then is willing to step up. And getting their faces off the sidelines, I cannot be more impressed than I am right now with JPP.
2: No, and if you you know remember back to last year, and and not to bring up a bad name, but Chris Baker. No, but who, I you're you right. Know, after jumping off sides and pretty much costing a game, you know, laughing it up and didn't seem yeah. upset at all. And then you've got uh, you know a veteran who's getting paid a lot of money comes in here, yep. new to a team, and he's the one who's driving the energy. He's the one getting in people's faces. He's the one putting it up, putting you know, producing on the field. You know, it's, that's right. it's a stark contrast to that, and and good on JPP, good on the Bucks, good on you know that that's the, those are the type of players you need on your team, you want on your team,
1: you do, and you need more people to follow him, and and I think that will happen, and you know when he when he was you know signed here, I, I asked him about the accident and what he had learned about himself from it, and he goes, I learned that I'm un, I'm unstoppable, I'm unstoppable. Think about that for a minute, you know, because of what he was able to come back from and resume his career um and you know we talked to him the other day about uh you know whether he had a goal for the number of sacks this season unlimited. unlimited yeah unlimited and and i and i think he believes that you know i mean he he does not put limitations on himself uh he has high expect and he still hasn't he told me he hasn't really you know totally grasped this defense he's still trying to learn um the nuances of of a new defense and and, and his new teammates and that takes time to to communicate up front and all those things. So had a chance to talk uh, one-on-one with Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, just a very engaging guy, uh, and he talks about just how difficult it has been to compensate for his injury and to maintain the level of play that and the standard that he set for himself in his career from the beginning. So here's my conversation With Jason Pierre Paul.
4: It gets easier as you understand the plays. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When I came in, I didn't understand the plays. Um, I was still trying to figure out, you know. What is what? A different play calling. It might be the same play, but a different calling. You still got to figure it out. Yeah. And I feel like as I figure it out, it gets much easier for me as a yeah. player. Yeah. And I could and I and I could decide to play fast because how I coach teaches is not how I'm going to learn. Right. You know, it takes like uh, putting it down and writing in your own words and actually studying to remember it. And my coach I always preach about it. You know what I mean? But I'm more of a visual player when I'm on the field. If I see it, and if I mess up on it, you tell me that. Oh, you messed up on that. I know not to do it again. Right. That's like touching the hot stove, man. Once you put your hand on it, you get burnt. Hey, yeah. I ain't doing that shit again, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm mean? saying? Like yeah. I, I haven't fucking played with fireworks. I ain't doing that shit again. Yeah, right. So it's just like that, man. It's common sense, you yeah. know what I mean? Once you do something wrong, you, know, you try your best to fix it or it's just automatic, don't do it again. And yeah. with me, it's just automatic, don't do it again.
1: You have to such a great start. I mean, relative to what we're used to seeing here, mm-hmm. um, you yeah. know, you got four sacks in four games. But it's not just that; it's playing every play. It's playing the t- run. Mm-hmm. It's tackles for loss. Yeah. Do you feel like you're playing as well as you have?
4: I, it's a want to, man. I don't. I don't feel like I'm playing as well. You know, I, really? I feel like I could do better. Yeah. But I'm always pushing at 110. Yeah. You know, until uh, I really like understand all the plays and it's all just click. Yeah. And you just calling it and you just because it's a new defense for you. Yeah. I mean, whole new defense. Yeah. But, similar calls but different now you just changing yeah been at Giants for eight years and learning a different was, language right? everything was just you no know, textbook to me I come in and now I have to worry about the place I know it I'll be yeah. longer, but now it's different I have to learn in the, the language like you said
0: yeah
4: and I, you know I'm capable of playing fast but I want to play faster not thinking so yeah. I'm working There's my, still way. A little I'm working bit my way to, to try to, uh, to work in my way of doing that yeah you know but I'm always 110% percent
1: Do you uh, we talked about, you know, after your action, but do, do you feel I mean Coach Buckner said it, do you feel like no one man, no one can block you? I mean, do you nah, go out there with that? I don't ad- feel like
4: no one can block me, man. I they just I just told them that myself. I don't yeah. feel like nobody can block me. And um, that's just the mentality I have. You know, you might do block me. Right, but you but don't feel like I'm that gonna way. tell you, you no, know, that was a fluke. You had to block me the whole game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm after your neck the whole game. Yeah. I don't care what it is in you. Running the ball my way is not going to happen. Right, right. Yeah, so, no, if, you, if, if it's not a pass rush, it's not definitely not a run play to my side.
1: Right, right. And you, and, I mean, you played the whole game. That's what's so impressive is that your run stopping is as good as as your pass, pass rush. rush. Yeah i mean so now when you when you had your when you had your accident how how different do the techniques have, have changing it? It at all i understand
4: or? this man i think when it comes to my accident, people forget that i'm missing you know fingers and i can't pull nobody I can't, realizes
1: that it, that's what it, i mean it, how it, much did I, it you doesn't
4: to, nobody realizes but i know it's i realize it you know what you saying? had to adjust yeah i had to adjust and i'm still adjusting big time but it doesn't it's not going to affect my play of of playing you know right. what i mean but you know, most people forget about that but you know what I mean, like every guy on the team is the best man to have all ten. Yeah. Trust me. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what can't what what do you can't pull with as much hey, as you can? There's a lot of
4: things you can't do. You can't you can't pull, you can't you know what I mean, snatch and that's right. mostly the main thing I can't do. Get is guys, snatch. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That, that that triggers my play of playing a whole nother way because I can't do that type of stuff that I used to, but right. at the end of the day, man, it's all it's all what I have to do. I'm, it is what it is, man. Yeah, you know what I mean. Is I'm gonna work what I got, man. Sure. I'm do what you got? Sure. That's and so,
1: so, now, what do you, what do you do better now as a result of that? Like, what what is there something that you had to improve um, on because a step of
4: the... no footwork. Yeah. You know, technique wise. Yeah. You no, know, being at the right place at the right time. That's why I really studying and really knowing what you're doing. Yeah. Is gonna help you play fast. You know, right. Before then, I could probably make a mistake and you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and grab and get where I need to go. But yeah. now I need mean, to make sure I'm at the right place at the right time. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I'm not I'm beat. So when we, when
1: you, uh, when things were going well, you're new to this team, but you have such, such uh, respect around the league and, and in this team. Mm-hmm. Did you feel completely comfortable just saying, "Hey guys"?
4: Hi. No, not necessarily. Man, it, it comes. I feel like if you've been in the league as long as I, I know that things are going to go bad. Things are going to go good. Sure. But at the same time, like you always got to be the same person. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I feel like I'm always the same person, you know what I mean? Yeah. And no matter what, this game ain't going to cheat. This game ain't going to change, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, football ain't my life. Right. You know what I'm saying? What you I, do, it's It's more than just football, yeah. you know what I mean? So, that's basically it.
1: Yeah. How much do you like being home, or when I say home, it's your second home? Are you getting into being yeah, back it's, in Florida?
4: Florida is my home, man. Tampa is, Tampa is not my home. Obviously. Florida yeah. is my home, and I'm I'm a Florida boy, so, yeah. you know, anytime – I'm in Florida. There's this great atmosphere for me. I got family behind Cluster me. Closer to your son. Closer to my son. You know, uh, everything is just here for me, man. Yeah. You know, so I'm happy to be here.
1: So, interesting guy. As I said, uh, my thanks to JPP uh, for, that, uh, for that interview. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing how the Bucks play and how their defense bounces back if they can against the Atlanta Falcons.
2: So, Rick, I was at Amelie Arena on Thursday night as the Lightning were back in action for the first time in like a 1,000 days since their season opening win over the Panthers. Actually, it was just five days since they played, but kind of weird in the hockey season, especially after one game. I mean, there's teams already playing four games. I think some had their fifth game on Thursday night. Lightning just getting to play their second game. They have the Vancouver Canucks in town, a team uh, going through a rebuild, very young. They got some great young players. Brock Besser last year who impressed at the All-Star game here as a rookie. Uh, Elias Petterson's on their team now, and and especially in the third period, it seemed like the puck just followed that guy around. But the Lightning lead most of the game, dominate the first period, outplayed Vancouver, I think, in the second period. A lot of penalties again, both ways. Um, the third period, they were doing okay. Um, they give up a goal, and then Alex Kaloran about a minute after that, gives up a really bad turnover right to Brock Besser, who hit, hits the game-winning shot. Uh, the the Canucks end up winning 4-1. to one. They get two empty netters to make that score. But a little disturbing with the Lightning. Uh, you know, I mean, they outplayed. They definitely outplayed Vancouver. I mean, through the first period and a half, particularly that first half of the game, it really looked like a, a veteran NHL team that's, going to compete for the Cup against a rebuild team. I mean, it was that noticeable of a difference. Um, Pace of play, speed. The Lightning were just buzzing all over the place. Um, It seemed like most of the lines were buzzing. Matthew Joseph, again, had a really good game. Um, I thought Ryan McDonough did very well on defense. Uh, Tyler Johnson was back in this game. That was fantastic to see uh, after he missed the season opener and most of the preseason games. So he was back. He was on the line with... Braden Point and Yanni Gord on the second line. JT Miller dropped from the first line to the fourth line as Corey Conacher sat out tonight as Tyler Johnson came back. Andre Palat skated with uh, Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. And those guys, you know, I'm going to say, I've been saying it all last year, Rick, you know this, those two need to be separated. I know that they got off to a hot start last year. Uh, I believe it was uh, uh, like 10 or 11 straight games that they scored in to start the season last year, but I just don't like putting those two together. They they're too passive. They're they're trying to ma- they're trying to be too cute with the puck. They're passing too much trying to set each other up, and they just don't put enough shots on the net. You have two elite shooters in Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. Shoot the puck and then shoot it again and then shoot it again and shoot it again. There's no reason those guys should be looking for perfect passes when they have a lane to the net to shoot. They're elite shots. They will get more by the goalie. The more they shoot, the more they'll get by the goalie. And John Cooper talked about in his postgame. They're not going to the places that you score goals. You know, if Nikita Kucherov and Steven Sandpus are putting pucks on net, there's going to be rebounds a lot of times because they're elite shooters. If they're going to stop the puck, there's going to be rebounds. So go to the net where you can then score goals. And John Cooper talked about it in his post game.
3: We got to finish. We're not finishing. I mean, we're shooting some pucks at the net, but we're we're not going there with a the desire to
1: score. And uh, that's what you have to do in this league, especially with the goaltending the way it is. Uh, these are NHL goaler goalies. You got to you got to go in there and get dirty ones they're all not going to be pretty and uh you know we're probably resorting a little bit to the trying to get the pretty goal.
2: It was a disappointing result losing 4 to 1 to the Canucks. If you remember 2 years ago they lost both games to the Canucks, uh, one at home and one away and then they missed the playoffs by one point. Um, Vancouver's a team you should beat particularly at home, but you know let's there's, there's some positive the negative too, the other one, the power play. They're now 0 for 8 on the power play this year. Now, last year, the Lightning were one of the top five teams in power play throughout the season. Um, They scored a ton of goals, particularly Steven Stamkos did on the power play. They're still not shooting the puck enough on the power play. I thought the first two power plays they had on Thursday night, they got got some good chances. They were actually creating some buzz. The last three were kind of quiet for the most part. Um, So uh, the power play, you, you know, you have to wonder. The Lightning, who's, you know, supposed to have some of the most skill in the NHL. Granted, it's two games. But they have two goals in two games with this talent. And it seems like the rest of the league is lighting up the score. Austin Matthews has eight goals in five games for Toronto. I mean, five games in the season, he's got eight. The Lightning have two goals as a team through two. Now, we can look at the positive. The penalty kill, which last year got off to a horrendous start. And even though they played better late in the year, you never really saw it in the stats because they got off to such a bad start. They're now 0 for 9 on the the season. So the power play is doing very well, you know. And Anton Strauman talked about after the first game. You know, sometimes you just need a reset of those stats and let's start over. And you know, uh, but I, you know, I think they're playing. The the penalty kill has been playing very well. Um, I think Andre Vasilevsky's played pretty well. I mean, the the Brock Besser shot to win it it was a bad turnover by Alex Kalorn that gave him a point blank shot there. So I think he's. I think he had 24 saves on Thursday night. So his save percentage on the season, I believe, is at nine five six, which is you know good enough to win most games in the NHL. Um, so you're not concerned there. But the the power play and the scoring, it's too early to be concerned yet. You know, Steven Stamkos in the post game talked about, you know, there's there's no need to panic yet.
0: No, nope. led the leaving goals last year, so. um just a matter of of time. We're, that's 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 the least of our worries is, is scoring. That's going to come, but it's just it's it's not cheating because they're not coming. It's playing the right way and continuing to improve. And like I just said, the power play has has got to find a way to uh, to start producing because the PK, like I said, has been outstanding. Those guys have worked extremely hard, and um, we got to work hard as, as a power play if if uh, if we want to be difference makers out there.
2: Now, if you'll recall, last year with the Lightning. And, and many people don't because they got off to a great start to the season. If you remember a month or two into the season, they were dominating everybody. They were they were pulling away in the standings, which allowed them to have a, I won't say less than stellar second half of the season. But, you know, they had, they had some swoons in the second half, and they were able to still have the top record in the Eastern Conference for the season because of the start they got off to. Well, last year, they opened with a back-to-back against Florida. First one at home, second one on the road. They actually didn't play very well in either one of those two games. They won one. They lost one. They won the game at Amelie. They lost the one down at Sunrise. And they were one and one after two games, which was where they're at this year. They went into game three, and it was against the Capitals at home, and they were struggling in that game for the first period or two. They ended up winning that game in overtime. And then they went on. I think they won four more in a row there. And in the season, they kind of got on a roll after that point. So, you know, panicking through two games out of an 82-game schedule, absolutely way too early to do that. Although the lack of scoring does concern you with so much skill on this team. But you figure it's going to happen at some point, particularly if they start going to the dirty areas of, of the ice. You know, There's still so much skill. I mean, that was the shame of the first period. They were buzzing. They were hitting. Adam Ernie was. Cedric Paquette was. Matthew Joseph had a big hit. The forecheck was fantastic the first half of the game. It seemed like Vancouver couldn't get out of, get out of their own zone most of the time. Um, and, and the Lightning were drawing penalties because of that. So, too early to panic yet, although, you know, not the start you're hoping for the Lightning, especially when you start seeing the rest of the league, and, and particularly in the division. Toronto's off to a hot start. Boston got destroyed in their first game, but they're, they're on a roll now in your division. So, uh, the Lightning Saturday, John Tortorella and the Columbus Blue Jackets are in town. Uh, they're off to, I believe, a 3-1 and one start now. So, uh, that'll be a 7 o'clock game at Amelie Arena Saturday night. Then next week, you've got Carolina at home and Detroit at home. Carolina, by the way, 3-0-1 to start the season. They are... Good. This is not the Carolina team you know from the past. They made some big trades. They have some new personnel, new coach. Um, this is a different Carolina team, and they'll be in next week than Detroit. And then they get a tough road trip. I mean, their first road trip goes out west or some of the Western Conference teams. you got Minnesota, Chicago, Colorado, Vegas, and Arizona. It's a five-game trip over eight days. Um, so that's going to be a tough first road trip of the season. I believe I heard Matt Salmon on the Lightning Radio post game on Thursday night say that over the next 29 days, the Lightning will have 15 games. So that's essentially a game every other night for the next month. So at, while we had five days off between uh, the opener and the second game, now you get into the, the grind of the season and the back-to-backs and the three and four days coming up and, and, and those kind of schedules. So uh, the Lightning are now into the grind, or they better be. Uh, so they'll ha- they'll take on Columbus on Saturday. Uh, but a disappointing performance, particularly because the Lightning led most of the game and then uh, gave up two goals in, the, in the, four, uh, the third period and then two empty netters after that as they had pulled Andre Vasilevsky. So four-to-one final from Amelie Arena. So
1: busy weekend, uh, Steve, uh, this, this weekend. A lot of action. The Lightning, of course, uh, they resume their season. They play uh, Columbus on Saturday night. A lot of college football. USF plays tonight at Tulsa. And then on the weekend, you got Florida at Vanderbilt. FSU is off uh, Miami's at Virginia uh, and the big game that you and I are concerned about Wisconsin at Michigan. Although I have told my wife, I think I'm rooting for the Harbaugh's and she's very upset about that since she's a Badger fan and we're going to have a little trouble. Well, good thing Saturday.
2: you'll be in Atlanta. So you won't have That's to, right. uh, I don't to have, deal with her.
1: I don't have to actually sit there and sweat it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the uh, major league baseball playoffs, uh, the national league championship series, Dodgers brewers uh, will begin tonight. And then on Saturday, you have the ALCS, which I think is going to be a terrific series. Houston and the Boston Red Sox. So, yeah, you have Verlander man. versus Sale going in that one for Game
2: One. Oh, on how good is that? Night. Yeah. How good is that? Yeah, I that's still, I still best. don't. I mean, I, look, I think Boston's probably the better team overall, but I, I don't think they can get past Houston's starting pitching. I don't either. I got. I think series. it's going to be the Astros
1: and in uh, the Brewers.
2: That's that's just. The, the, I, I the think Brewers. it's going to be Dodgers and Astros. Do you? Okay. You like the Dodgers pitching better or starting pitching? I, I think they're a better team. I think Milwaukee right now has a lot of momentum. Um, they do. But I, I still That's, think the Dodgers are the better team overall. Yeah, but it's, it's Cubs-like momentum, man. It might be. <laughs> I mean, I, it wouldn't Those, surprise me if Milwaukee wins that, but I,
1: yeah. I, I think it's going to be Dodgers. They just seem the so hot, you know. Yeah. Sometimes think, it's not the best team, it's the hottest team. Yeah. I think the know?
2: Astros can win in five or six games. I think the National League series goes longer yeah you could be right it's going to be
1: great, so anyway, um, great weekend in sports we'll be back here Monday to talk about the bucks and the Falcons. Of course we 're here every Monday through Friday. We appreciate you guys listening as always and make sure make sure that you go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds for all your jewelry needs and as listeners to this podcast you 're going to get twenty percent off that 's right twenty percent off all jewelry purchases, and they have the best prices you 're not going to find these prices in a shopping mall. Go in, ask for Andy. He's going to take care of you. Tell him that you're, uh, you're listening to the podcast and you want 20% off all your jewelry needs. So, for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.